Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, happy Monday to all of you on this first Monday in June. I am so excited about my guest today. Her name is Leslie Gang, and she is the co-founder of the international nonprofit Hindi's Libraries. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Thank you, Marsha. Thanks so much for having me. I am very excited to be here with you today. Oh, gosh, this is so great. I know we're on two different sides of the country. I know you're in New York and I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in California. But it doesn't matter because our voices are being blended together so that we can share this incredible story about your nonprofit. But before we get into the actual nonprofit itself, I always like to get to know my guests. So if you wouldn't mind, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am currently the Director of Admissions and Communications at a local private school in Long Island, New York. Um, I grew up in Long Island, actually, which I'm sure within five minutes you will hear from my accent. Um, I love it. And, and uh, you know, my my daughter always laughs at me. Say dog, ma. Say dog. So uh, I know it because my kids make fun of me. Um, That's and, funny. Uh, I love to travel, and I'm a big theater enthusiast, and living in New York has been a blessing because we get to see performances on Broadway, off-Broadway, and take my children to that. That's a big part of my life. And... Um, I have two children. My daughter, Alexandra, is 10. My son, Simon, is going to be 8. And my husband, Jason, is an attorney. And uh, we have a little puppy named Kylan. And when we're what's, not... What's uh, the puppy's name again? What did you say? Oh, boy. Kylan. K-Y-L-I-N. My son made it up. So okay. we went with it. Um, I, love I very it. much wanted... I wanted Snickers or Stoli. Um, I got outvoted into Kylan, so that's, that's the baby's name. Uh, oh, that's that's that's, it. that's really a, yeah. That's that is so great. And my gosh, I must just tell you, I've got your website in front of me, and I'm going to spell it for our listeners. So if they choose to want to look at this website while we're talking or after that, that's totally fine. So I'm going to spell this for you. It's the obvious three W's: H I. And like Nancy, D-I-S, libraries, with a plural, dot org. And on this page, I mean, honey, you've been everywhere. You were on TV. I mean, you have really, I mean, you with Hoda and Jenna. I mean, you've done a lot of really cool things personally that I think is is pretty darn awesome. Um, and I think it's great that you've been able to share what it is you're doing because it's fantastic. And so, as I mentioned, you are the co-founder of this international nonprofit, Hindi's Libraries. 
So I thought we could start off because I believe Hindi was your friend. So tell us about Dr. Hindi Krinsky. Uh, absolutely, and thank you for the kind words. It has been a roller coaster um, and a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned, I've been working at a private school. I had been working in the Long Island community in the private education sector for almost 20 years, and I had been the director of marketing and communications at a local school. And Hindi Krinsky was not only the mother of five children. Uh, four of whom had been enrolled in the school. But she was also a star educator in the high school division. And I'm going to dispel, you know, any misinformation because the most important thing for me to say is Cindy and I were, imagine that colleague who works four cubicles away from you. That was the relationship Cindy and I had. Um, we worked together maybe four times a year. Um, I had been uh, involved with her as a parent when it came to putting on my admissions hat and re-enrolling the children into, you know, the school year or assisting with any basic needs. But truth be told, we, we had no personal relationship, which is, I think, what makes the story of the nonprofit even more interesting. Um, oh, it but does. Was, even, even on the superficial level that I had known her, um, you know, I, I like to give the example, um, and I'm going to take you guys back 20, 30 years. If you remember the movie Dangerous Minds with Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. um, Cindy was Michelle Pfeiffer. She was the teacher who got the children who hated school, hated literacy. She got them reading Shakespeare. She got them reading Eli Wiesel. She got them reading. And she was the teacher that everyone was waiting to have at some point in their high school career. She was the colleague everybody wanted to be around. She had this crazy curly-haired wig, um, which you wouldn't even know was a wig, um, because she was, you know, orthodox. And she had these kooky curls. She had this vibrant attitude, and you just clung to her. The students clung to her. Not even, like I said, not even the, you know, students who were excelling academically. Everyone in her vicinity was able to sense this energy that she had and gave off. And like I said, we had worked together a couple of times during the year when it came to recruiting you know i was kind of told from day one if someone's going to come to this high school you introduce them to hindi at a model lesson they're going to enroll because she's just that amazing that everyone will want their child to be in her classroom um and she was she was this unique ball of energy and 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 shining star in the school where we work wait is this a is it a, a private school tell me a little bit about the school yeah so um, it was a Hebrew Academy private school, nursery through eighth grade, which is why at the point um, she had triplets who were enrolled in the school. They were eight when she passed. There was, uh, She had a four-year-old, Dorit, and her baby was only one, and he was just going to be enrolling into the toddler program the following year. Wow, that must have been really yeah. shocking. And those those children, are the triplets all girls? Uh, two girls, Hoodie and Eliana, and a boy, Ezra. Okay, so she, so all together, her children, two, two boys, and three, three girls. girls. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Wow, what, what a devastation that must have been for this family. I can't even imagine what that must have been like because I don't know that it was expected, but, and, yeah. It was not. Well, she, um, she, Hindi had Crohn's disease, and she was managing it. 
And from uh-huh. what her husband David tells me, um, she basically had a stomach ache that, for whatever reason, hadn't been taken care of in the time that it had to be. So by the time she and David went to the hospital, you know, to check things out, unfortunately, there was nothing they could do. And a couple of hours later, she was gone. I mean, I, I can't imagine being an eight-year-old and saying, oh, mom's just going to the doctor. Be right back. And right. mom never comes back. Sad. Wow. Well, so it, it, it became the two of you where you decided we need to do something. We need to do something to honor her legacy. And so that's when you created this nonprofit called Hindi's Libraries. And it's with an IES, I might add. So why did you actually create this nonprofit? So it's actually a very interesting story, which continues oh boy. to be um, kind mm-hmm. of eye-opening. So as I mentioned, uh, Hindi and I did not have a personal relationship other than, you know, colleagues. And she passed in August of 18, so we're just about at four years. Um, and at school, now, you know, you have to imagine the entire community is kind of frozen, and everybody is just wants to do something for this man, this young man who's now dealing with not only his grief, but raising five children. Um, and I kind of became the middleman of, we mm. want to give free after-school program. We want to give free meals. We want to give XYZ babysitting and carpool. And David and I, David is Cindy's husband, and David and I formed a friendship because I kind of had said to him, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm going to take note of every phone call I get from the community and the students and the parents. And when you need it, it's there. So mm-hmm. as he and I developed a friendship, the, one of the principals of the triplets, who were eight and in third grade, um, she actually called me and said, we need to do something in Hindi's memory. So what did we end up doing? We sat with David, and we chose to build one of those freestanding little three library boxes. These yeah. are the types you, you may see on the street, on the boardwalk, at a public park. Looks like a little house with books in it, yes. right? Can hold like we 30, have them here, books. too. Okay. We sure do. Yeah. So um, it's, they're beautiful things, and they're a great way for the community to come together through the love of literacy. So we had our custodian go to a local hardware store, build a box. I had introduced David to a friend of mine who's an artist. She learned all about Hindi. Um, she learned about and she met the children, and she painted it in such a beautiful way that um, you know, related to the students on, you know, in terms of books that they've seen, you know, on each side of the box had different little aspects um, of what Hindi loved. And we uh, installed it in a courtyard of the students, uh, particularly in the triplets grade. And in about December of 21, uh, sorry, December of 18, so a few months after her passing, we had a beautiful ceremony. Uh, David's mm. daughter, Hoodie, played the violin. We gave, you know, we invited the entire third grade community to bring one book to fill the box, hoping that everybody feels a part of this beautiful structure in Hindi's memory. Um, so that was a great day. Uh, three weeks later, the principal calls me, and the conversation goes something along the lines of, hey, Leslie, how you doing? And I said, I'm good. She goes, uh-huh. Um, why are there 500 books in my office and I can't read? <gasps> 500? I don't know. So it turns out, you know, the game of broken telephone, 
everyone told, you know, whoever was in third grade told their friends and relatives that, oh, my gosh, the school is taking children's books. I just sent one with my kid that day. Send everything you have. So David and I picked them up from the school office, and we together started looking up local nonprofits within, you know, a 10-minute drive that we can give these to and say, you know, these are extras. Our box can only hold 50. Um, and as we're disseminating these donations that arrived at the school, the two of us are calling each other saying, you know, I just came home to three boxes at my door. And he's like, well, I just came home to two bags by my car. And the community kind of found, without telling us, they found an outlet for their gently used children's books. So now you're looking at January of 19, we sat down and we said, okay, this is clearly something. Um, people have been holding on to their books you know, something David and I learned is that books become memories. They become an important part of a parent's history um, in the development of the relationship with their child. Think about the book you read to your child at bedtime for a month. Or the, for my case, I used to read Silly Sally and Brown Bear to my daughter every day at dinner time for a year. Mm -hmm. um, so now that book is special to me. And people do not want to just throw them out or put them in a random donation box. It doesn't. It seems like it's very personal to them. And we've given them an outlet that is meaningful because they can follow the story. And so, like I said, in January, we kind of said, I think, you know, we can do something here purposely, you know, not just having to happenstance, you know, on happenstance have books arrive at our door. Sure. Uh, and so we developed the nonprofit and we started small and we've grown tremendously. You know, you said something that was so significant to any parent out there that's listening good night moon you know i i'm visualizing my experience reading with my children the richard scary books but good night moon certainly was another one and and if you were involved with your children and that was part of your routine to read with your children i thought oh my god he's reading these no he wasn't he had them memorized because he mm -hmm. had heard it so many times. And I, I, I think about what that must mean to have children um, around the world, as we'll be talking about, that can receive these books. I, 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 just before we went on the air together, one of my good friends, John Meese, has written a series of books called Flippy Books. And after he saw my Facebook Live, he sent me a message. He said, Marsha, I could send some flippy books to them. Well, sure you could, John. And so can a lot of these other children's authors that I have contact with. So I am hoping that you receive a lot of books. And we'll be talking about how people can do that for you. If you had to sort of sum up your mission you know how a lot of organizations have a mission statement or something to that effect. What would you say your mission is? Uh, so our goal is to get books into the hands of children who cannot afford them while continuing the legacy of Dr. Hindi Krinsky. It's pretty simple. Did you yeah. ever think, I know, I know, but sometimes, you know, keeping it simple makes it easy to remember and and I and I like that. Did you ever imagine that these libraries would this organization would grow to where it is today when you started? 
no, <laughs> quite <laughs> honestly. I mean, when, when we came home to those books, you know, in the late winter of uh, 2018, we're like, okay, we're going to call some local groups and just drop them off and that'll be it. And then when we, even when we formed the organization, we kind of said, okay, we're doing this because on paper we're making donations. So we have to continue. And then we've exploded into, you know, shipping books all over the world, um, having more than 700 recipients. It's, it's wild. We've collected almost 400,000 books to donate. Our partners are huge corporations, you know, Barnes & Noble, Disney, Scholastic. It's, it's amazing. And um, I never would have thought it, we would get this far, and I am so blessed and humbled that David has allowed me to really be a part of this because it's the memory of his wife, his children's mother, and I was kind of this outsider just trying to help him, you know, in the first few weeks just to be there however I could, and it snowballed into this, and I'm very grateful. I can only imagine described your gratefulness. I can only imagine his gratefulness. Are there, are there grandparents alive at this point? Uh, yes, Hindi's parents are with us, and uh, David's parents are with us as well. So, um, Can you imagine? And they come from really big families. I mean, you're a parent. I'm a parent. I mean, this could make me very emotional. Can you imagine what this legacy must mean to them? It is, it's, it's, it's beautiful, and I must say, you are so humble and kind. And... Um, I just, I, I am, I am, I feel privileged to have you joining me today. Based on this nonprofit, and I've worked with nonprofits, I understand the difficulties of nonprofits. What would you say is the most worthwhile aspect of running this nonprofit? Uh, that's easy. I get photos and videos. Uh, from our recipients of the children reading the book. I have these notes that come in that I like to post um, on social media because I just want to say that this nonprofit specifically, this cannot happen without you, Marsha, and you, the listeners, because we're kind of the, the middleman, right? We're taking books that we receive from them. You know, these are not mm-hmm. my books personally. I mean, right. in the beginning they were. but um, So I also want to show the gratitude to those who – got the books or sent a donation so we could purchase the books or whatever it may be. Um, so when I like to share them and there are these notes that come in and they are eye opening, you know, I got an, I got an, um, uh, my, the one I like to think about most when I kind of, you know, when you have those days and you're like, Oh, I can't do this anymore. And then you think about yes. why you do this. Um, yes. I got a note from a woman. She runs a little free library close to a housing area, like a public housing area. I believe somewhere in California, if I'm not mistaken. And she sent me a photo, um, and it was like, these are the books that we see all the time. And it was all sorts of profanity um, and all sorts of lewd mm. illustrations. Uh, underneath oh. by which it said, you know, how, uh, shooting of a 10-year-old in the public housing development. Um, and then she sent the picture side by side of the child reading maybe the diary of a wimpy kid or one of these novels that, you know, we get. And she said, you don't even know that there is just no access, there's no financial ability for these kids to get these books. This is what they have in front of them, the shootings, you know, the violence, the inappropriate thing, you know, type of books or 
maybe not books, but magazines, whatever it may be. And, you know, I don't, I am fortunate and I understand it and I see it that that's, that's not my day to day. So to see that and to see that, you know, wow, you know, it really, it was really worth me and David staying up till three in the morning packaging 40 boxes because, mm-hmm. you know, we look at the, look at where they go, look at the children who receive them. And that's been um, really, really beautiful to see the impact of our work. It's really nice on your, um, on your website, because I'm, I'm on your website as we speak right now. And you see children that uh, have disabilities. You see mm-hmm. children, and, and I know that I've, I, I believe I've even posted this, where there were children in Kenya that received your books. And we all know the value, the physicality of holding a book and looking at a picture and saying, you know, where's the mouse in this picture? Oh, there it is. And having that dialogue, and maybe you couldn't afford to buy that book. I just, I can see why this is so, so very meaningful to you. And it's not easy. It's not easy managing a nonprofit, and I get that. But what are some of the things, what would you say is the one thing, if you could pin it down that you've learned while managing this organization always be open to new ideas um, I think it's important when managing a nonprofit and we are completely volunteer based I work full-time David works full-time any of our handful of volunteers who support us they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart and I find that if you're open to somebody's creativity and when someone calls or emails and says I thought we could try X, Y, Z. And if you're open to it, not only could that result, you know, in a tremendous success, but it also makes the other person involved feel empowered that they matter. Um, I sure. think that's the only way to build an organization like this. Like I said, David and mm-hmm. I, you know, we just, we take this kind of, we always say one step at a time. Tomorrow we'll bring something new, a new phone call, a new partnership. And as long as our mission is clear um, and we are in line with our objectives, when somebody, mm-hmm. or whether it be a team member or, you know, someone in the community calls and says, I want to get involved and I had an idea, um, it's very important to embrace those. Um, and even if they don't always work, um, just to right. have someone feel that they are a part of it is crucial. Mm-hmm. You bet. I love your tagline because I, I notice things like this. And I love what it says underneath the word libraries. Every hero has a story. I think that's brilliant. And it leads me to another element of what you're doing because you are, there's a lot. And I'd like to hear you tell us about your second annual Females of Fiction Literary Award that's open to all female children's authors. This will be very great for those women that could be listening now, and I will certainly get this to the women authors that I know that write children's books. So tell us a little bit about this. Sure. So uh, last year, um, in 2021, um, I realized that we've made such beautiful partnerships with children's authors, and Tindy, who was probably one of the most fierce women I've ever met, um, (laughs) I kind of said, you know, I wonder, you know, we are a literary nonprofit. I wonder if we can do something to showcase and acknowledge and celebrate females 
who are empowering children, just as Hindi empowered children in her classroom and through her teaching. So we launched our Females of Fiction Award, which is open to any female children's authors of anything from a board book to a young adult novel. And Mm -hmm. this is our second year going at it, and it's been a lot of fun. We actually have great judges. Um, We have Ava Vitale from Scholastic. She's on the marketing team there. She's one of the judges reviewing all the books. I have Shelby King from the Little Free Library Organization. She's a judge here. Um, I have Kayla Bounds from a beautiful nonprofit bookstore out in New Jersey. She's um, a judge. And then I have two children's authors, uh, KB and Dr. Dawn Menge, both of whom are extraordinary women very involved in their communities, promoting good, which is important for me, and wonderful writers. And the goal is to have female children's authors share their work, not only with the judges, but with anybody following us, supporting us. And, you know, someone asked me the other day, you know, why should I enter your contest? There are 40 others floating around. The truth is, you know, we're here to support you. And mm-hmm. um, in doing so, we hope you support us. Any submission fee, and I know most of these contests do come with a tremendous one, ours is, is very light. It's $20 for a category. And that $20 that you send me, that's already paying for a box of books being shipped. And I make that very clear. Um, you know, this isn't going in our pockets. That money that you're doing, you're giving to submit a book, that's a box of books you just, uh, you just help to ship. And the physical mm-hmm. copy that is mailed to us, that's being donated uh, to one of our, you know, hundreds of nonprofit recipients. So by supporting us, we're actually hoping to support you back, and it creates a beautiful foundation for future relationships because we partner with authors all the time in other ways as well. I think that's that's absolutely fabulous, and I and I would like to encourage people that are listening if you fit this category. I have hyperlinked this um, in my blog about our our show today, and um, people can go directly to there and fill out the form and learn more about this. You're very easy to reach, and I I hope that there are people listening that feel very motivated to participate in this. And like you said, just by by just by donating, just by being part of this. There, you are you are you are sup- supporting this organization, so it it's a win win for everybody. And I know that um, you have been networking with a lot of children's authors, authors over the last couple of years to bridge the literacy gap. How can authors support you? Great question. Firstly, we are also here to support authors um, on our social media platforms. We feature authors. Um, all year long, both in Instagram, Facebook, we give them a platform to share their story. We do it whether they send photos, a video, um, and we provide opportunities all year long for authors to partner with us, not necessarily to make a financial contribution or not even necessarily to sometimes send a book. Um, Recently for World Read Aloud Day, we released a video where Authors all over the world chose one word from a list we had given them that describes the nonprofit, and they recorded a video, either uh, reading a page nice. of their book that they felt related to the word, or just, you know, I, I find that you can't always take, right? You have to be a, a two-way friendship here, and 
My goal is to form relationships. So sometimes I have children's authors calling me and saying, I just, at my street fair that I was at in Kentucky, there was a nonprofit right next to me, and they would totally benefit from books, and we work together. Um, and by the way, that's supporting us. That's helping us fulfill our mission. Um, mm-hmm. Other times I have people contacting me on social media that they've read about, you know, the nonprofit or heard about it, and they'd like to send us a copy of their book or work together to support a specific nonprofit um, that's meaningful to them. Uh, that's all support. You know, even if it's not you sending a book to me in New York and together we're getting books elsewhere, these are all wonderful ways that we're promoting literacy. And we have initiatives all year long, sometimes specifically geared to authors, not like in this case where it's only female authors for our contest, but um, we are working with diverse children's authors now throughout the month of June, showcasing their stories, sending their books to little free libraries across the country promoting diversity and inclusion. Um, So there's always something new going on, and we're always here to get a call about something new you want us to do. That's a big part of it. I'm sure that's true. So, like I said, you have a wonderful website, but how can we get involved even if we live across the continent? So... Uh, grab your pen and paper or come visit our site because there are so many ways to support us. Um, first and foremost, if you follow us on social media and you share a post that is meaningful to you so that others in your life can learn about us, that's tremendous. If you want to start a birthday fundraiser on Facebook or Instagram, which will cost you $0, but somebody in your network might feel connected to our mission, and they may choose to give 10 or 15 or whatever that number may be. Mm-hmm. That's always lovely. If you work for a company who can match a donation or you'd like to sponsor a book shipment or make a donation, that is always helpful because, like I said, we are all volunteer-based, and every dollar that comes in goes to ship our books, buy our boxes, um, and really keep our storage space with leftover books. There is no profit here at all, no salaries. Um, and then for the people who might not have the means financially or may not be on social media, um, let's partner to run a book drive. Call me from anywhere you are, even if you're international. Let's have a phone call. Let's have a, a Zoom call. Let's set up a book drive in your area, and let's find somebody who's um, in your vicinity that can drive to you who can benefit from the book. Uh, we've done this in California. We've done this in Texas. Um, I recently finished an effort in the UK. Um, Even if I'm just here to guide you remotely on an effort Mm -hmm. that you can really do, um, we're here. And if you have any children's books and you're listening and you're a mom and your kids are in their teens or, you know, older, or you're an educator that has books left over you're not using and you have children's books, um, you can send them our way. We've partnered with a wonderful company called Give Back Box. And for $15, you can actually fill, let's say, a refrigerator-sized box. Um, And that will only cost you $15. Um, It goes right to UPS. There's no size or weight restriction as long as the box is sturdy. Um, I've had people do drives out of state, and they've shipped tremendous boxes that I really cannot list, um, (laughs) full of books for $15. Um, you have to, if you want to do a community drive or you just want to find a way to talk to me to help promote literacy or help somebody around you that you think can really benefit from children's books in their organization, 
reach out. We're here. We're here to partner and think outside the box to get books into the hands of those kids. Did you say give back box, B-O-X? Yes, givebackbox.com. Okay, so that that's good to know. And, you know, for many of us, we belong to other organizations. I'm a Rotarian. I belong to the Chamber of Commerce. I'm a volunteer at the YMCA. We, you know, there's a lot of different ways if you research in your own life that you might be able to find a way. And I like what you said, as simple as it sounds, but so true, social media. For those of us that, that count on it, and let's face it, you and I are, are, are two of those people. I rely on social media to get my story out with all of my fabulous guests. Mm-hmm. So if every person that is my Facebook friend or follows me on Instagram or whatever, if all of those people just have one book, it doesn't have to be a brand new book. It can be. Can people send them? I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I imagine that they could. Could people go to Amazon, select a bunch of books that they really love, and send them directly to you via Amazon? Yes, uh, absolutely. We do have several Amazon wish lists created through Hindi's libraries. Alternatively, I've had people just um, select several books. Our address is on our website. You could directly use us as the shipping address. Um, I actually okay. have a company that I got an email about this morning. They're coming mm-hmm. to do volunteer hours with their team um, at our space, and they just created their own Amazon wish list asking their friends and colleagues and supporters to buy books that they can bring to us, um, which wow. is also lovely. Um, this is not them spending money out of their pocket necessarily. It's them creating a way for their network to support their efforts for us, which is really wonderful. It it, it really is, and um, like I said, I I'm I you can easily right on your website. There's a donate now button. If you say, you know what, honestly, I'm just not able to to do some of the things that you guys have talked about, but I can certainly send a contribution, and. You know, if every if every person listening to this sent ten dollars, that would be lovely. Um, and and I and you know, there, there certainly is not a requirement. And you can certainly send more or less. You know, the point is is that whatever you do send is going to affect children, and it's going to just not only affect the children that receive it, but frankly. When you give, this is just my opinion, and I I really support nonprofit work. When you give, you get, and what you get from giving, um, as I put my hand over my heart, is the knowledge of knowing that you've done something to help someone else. That's a wonderful feeling. Imagine. Hindi could have never imagined that this would have been happening and that there would be such an outpouring of love and support. I just, I just think it's, it's phenomenal, truly. I can see why, you know, you, you, have, a, you have a job. This, this is not your job job, but it certainly is your heartbeat. So what has been, would you call, if you thought about this over these last few years, 
what would you say has been your biggest success? That's a hard one, isn't it? It is a hard it is a hard one because it depends on, you know, what are we judging success by? Um I think right. on the superficial level, for sure, being featured on a national program on um, today's show with Hoda and Jenna was tremendous because outreach is hard and there are hundreds of thousands of nonprofits doing good, trying to get the word out about themselves and their mission. And being put in a spotlight where viewers all over the country learned about us, um, that was really helpful for us to continue our mission. Not only did it lead us to new supporters, but we've received several inquiries from people working in the nonprofit sector who needed the books um, that we have. So being on a platform like that was really wonderful. Um, and I think other than, you know, that, which, you know, is our kind of like claim to fame, 15 seconds of fame, um, the fact that we have partners who are, always there to support us. Um, right from the beginning, Disney Publishing, when we were nothing, I mean, like, I don't know, I had 10 nonprofits we were sending to. And I sent an email, mm -hmm. you know, to the people at Disney, like, you don't know me. I love Disney. Mm -hmm. Can you help me? And their response was, sure, here's a pallet of books. Enjoy. Um, and this wow. was like three years ago. And mm -hmm. to have them on board when we have, so our diversity campaign I mentioned, um, I sent them an email about it, and we got another 1,400 books last week. And Barnes & Noble, the local branches and the overarching team, they're always looking to support us. Partnering with the Little Free Library um, entity itself, which oversees all those little boxes that we were talking about, mm -hmm. um, they've helped us grow and fill boxes in communities where those little boxes are the only way kids are getting books. There are no libraries. There are no bookstores. That is, that is how kids are getting books in the area, and we've been able to connect with them. Um, and having someone, really having someone understand our mission, like these, you know, companies and organizations mentioned, um, have them believe in us, to me that's success because it only helps us, you know, grow. And what I, what I find also so fascinating as I'm looking at your page, you know, between, you know, shelters daycare centers and places, hospitals. You know, there's a lot of hospitals that have very sick children. And um, to imagine what it would be like to have a book brought to the hospital. But you're in all these other countries as well, which, I mean, it's, it's staggering what you've been able to do, and not just here in the United States, but... Israel and India and Africa and Haiti and Puerto Rico, Philippines. It's impressive um, that you are able to reach out, and that is the beauty of technology today. I would absolutely say that this is truly part of it. And then mm -hmm. if you can get on a Zoom call with some organization that where you can really you can't be there, it's nowhere near where you live but you'd be happy to tell them about this. Uh, I just, I think it's f fantastic. But along with success and all your hard work, I'm sure the flip side is there have been challenges. What are some of the challenges that you have faced doing this? 
So I think the biggest challenge is the fact that we are volunteer-based and there's no full-time staff on board. As much as, you know, my heart would love to be doing this all day, every day, um, I'm not. I can't. And that it becomes a lot because, you know, as we've talked about in the last 40 minutes, we have so much going on, but sometimes it does get, you know, a little overwhelming. I like to be, I don't know if you noticed on this call, but I'm super type A. I like everything organized. I know everything about everyone I've worked with. Um, But that, but having that characteristic, it's hard, right? When I'm trying to balance my life as a mom and a wife and an employee and a founder, um, it kind of gets ahead of me sometimes. And it's rough not having someone say, I need you to do da 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 Who am I telling that to? The mirror? Like myself. Okay. Okay, boss, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, I think that uh, having no one really always there uh, working mm-hmm. on this, that's the toughest part. So we do what we can. We try to answer as quickly as we can and get problems resolved and ideas created and initiatives started. Um, but there is no staff member who is responsible for all of it if I – cannot handle it or David cannot handle it. Uh, you know, so that's rough. Do you have a do you have a board, board of directors? I do have a board, yes. We have wonderful people serving on a board. They're uh very much here to support us. Um and it has been very helpful to have them on board. Um but again they are also vo- yeah, but they're also volunteers who sure. have their ideas and can support us. But it's it's different, and uh, hopefully one day I will have somebody to call Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, to say, you know, I'm at a work meeting. I can't handle X, Y, Z right now. Please get on it ASAP and keep me posted. Sure. Does somebody help you with all your social media, or do you do that? And that's me. Um, <gasps> I try to, oh, I try to, yeah, I try to take Friday nights. I usually have a nice glass of wine, and I sit <laughs> on my computer, and I schedule the posts for the week. And if anything uh-huh. should come up that's last minute, I will obviously add it if, you know, we got some exciting news or a great photo I can't wait to share. Um, sure. Like I said, I'm, because, because I'm type A and I need every, all my ducks <laughs> in a row, I, I found a tool that could help me schedule it for the week so I can continue with my day. Um, nice. But it's hard, you know, you also have to communicate with, you know, you run it. You have to communicate right. with people on social. You have to answer their comments. You have to interact. It's not just one post a day. It's, it's a lot more than that if you want to be present absolutely well it's certainly my intention to promote you across all of my social media but if you if you were just thinking if you had one dream associated with hindi's libraries what would it be so i have this dream and in theory it can be a reality um so hopefully we'll get there soon Right now, uh-huh. if you could envision, envision that we have hundreds of thousands of books, but now imagine that 40,000 of them are in my garage, 150,000 of them are in a storage area, and another 75,000 of them are in a small space we rent, which we only rent a part of the actual space in, like, the back corner. So it, it, it can become tough when someone calls me and says, can you send me only books that focus on... Uh, the revolution or only books that have male protagonists. And my answer, unfortunately is no, I cannot. No. You get what you get and you don't get upset. Right. That's kind of the, that, that's what we say because whatever boxes I pull out with my volunteers, um, those are the boxes we're shipping, you know, whatever donation bags from whatever school I'm working on at that moment, 
That's what's in front of me to send out once we've reviewed them for quality and so on. My mm -hmm. dream is to have a space. Now imagine like Belle at the Beast's Castle where it's all mm -hmm. a big library and everything is organized, whether it's by genre or by author or by, you know, readers, board books, so that when a nonprofit calls me and says, we're doing, you know, a diversity campaign right now, can you send us books that discuss kindness and bullying and I will be able to have all of my books available to me as they come right. in, sorted in a way. Um, and then I also have local nonprofits that I would love to invite them to come. You know, um, there's another group. He's wonderful, um, Book Smiles, and he's in New Jersey. And he has a warehouse where every so often, I believe it's weekly, he invites local teachers um, to basically take what they, take what they need. Um, nice. I'd love to offer that to nonprofits, whether they're in New York, New Jersey, or whether I'm curating the boxes for them. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to have that. Right now, I mean, the books we send are amazing because we review every book from the 400,000 almost that we've sent. Someone's looked at to review to make sure it's not sticky, it doesn't have ripped pages, it's not missing a page, it doesn't say contains 30 stickers, but there are only five. Um, we go through everything. But once we've Who made that great that? box of books, oh my that's gosh. me and that's, yeah, it's, it's, so when we started, I had these great uh, high school seniors, they were called the Bunch of Bookworms, and I knew them for many years just from working in the school, and every Friday, they would come and we would spend three hours at a local space that was given to us um, just to spend some time in, and mm -hmm. we would go, I would buy them frozen yogurt and coffee. And for four to five hours, we would just go through book by book by book. Um, wow. And now my bunch of bookworms has expanded. Um, and weekly, we have volunteer nights at this space where I mentioned where we can only physically keep the books in a corner, but we can work in the entire space when we are there. Um, I've trained about 30 volunteers um, mm -hmm. to understand what kind of books are appropriate and what kind of books we cannot donate and we go still go through them one by one wow you know what occurs to me and if it's occurred to me undoubtedly it's occurred to you i see this as such a scouting um opportunity for for girl scouts for boy scouts they want their eagle award they want their gold oak award or the schools that are in your communities that are looking to provide you know, service above self, which is what we say in Rotary, where they could just come and volunteer. I would imagine, but, you know, I, I, I was going to hear myself contradict myself, which would be, okay, so the, this whole group of Girl Scouts wants to come and help. Well, somebody has to be there while they're doing it. Somebody has to supervise and give instruction and do all of that. So... Even along with all your volunteers, your bunch of bookworms, and all of these different people, do you find that you have to be there, or could one of your um, board of directors be there to help support you in that way? So the Girl Scouts have been a tremendous partner. Um, in really? fact, over the, over the winter, I was asked to create something called a fun patch, which I had no idea what it was. Um, okay. So I created really cool patches that can go on the back of their vest anytime they run a book drive. And I've actually, what I've done, I did it a little differently um, based on working with groups remotely. 
I've trained them virtually on how to sort the books on their premises once they've collected them. So it typically starts with a book drive. And once they've collected all the books, then they are trained to sort them. And sometimes I even mail them our labels because we put a beautiful sticker um, with a quote by Hindi, um, a quote from a former student, a photo of Hindi on each book, the front inside That's cover lovely. with the goal that with the goal that if in 50 years the book is passed on from generation to generation, that child is learning about Hindi. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. So sometimes I train these scouts to go all the way from A to Z, from collecting the books to labeling them, and then it's just a matter mm-hmm. of getting them to me. Um, mm-hmm. I've had rotaries drop off. I've had a local rotary. They Recently they did it in the fall. They dropped off three trucks, 10,000 books they collected out in Long Island. <gasps> Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, because literacy is one of your pillars. I understand. So yes, um, yes. So they are been wow. great. And I, you mentioned people um, coming in. So I typically like to be there, simply so that if someone has a question, I can support them. And the space is only ten minutes for me, um, mm-hmm. but there is a really great group, um, uh, the Center for Developmental Disabilities. They support men and women of all ages. I mean, it's kind of, um, how would I describe it? It's a community center in Long Island out in Suffolk County, about 40 minutes away, that supports men and women with um, any sort of disability um, and gives them various projects within their community to work on so that they feel fulfilled, if that makes sense. It does. Um, For the... So for the last year and a half over COVID, which was a total struggle in itself, um, they were actually picking up books from my house while I was at work. I trained them virtually. They would take them to their center, spend a week reviewing them and labeling the appropriate ones. And the following week, they would do the drop-off, and I would have more books waiting for them. Now that we have a space, they come twice a week, and I've already trained their supervisors and they sit in our space for, I believe, it's two or three hours once a week, um, and they review the books that we have ready for them so that when I go for my volunteer night, which is typically once a week, I have thousands of books already labeled and reviewed, and now I'm just packaging them, which makes hmm. it much more efficient for us to ship them out. Do, do any of the – the kids are getting a little bit older now. How old are the triplets now? They're, are they around 12? Uh, they're 12, yeah. Are, are are they also um, involved themselves? Uh, great question. So actually for the, the hoodie and Eliana just had their bat mitzvah when they turned 12, and they ran a book drive all on their own, really. I mean, David supported mm. it and gave them the idea, but without any pressure, they spoke in every classroom, talked about their mom, talked about the mission of the nonprofit. Um, they collected books, and then they've been coming uh, to, in our space to help us label and package these books. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, I mean, the life of a teenage girl is that you have school, then you have your extracurriculars, um, and you have a lot. But they they always laugh. Oh, are you working on mom books, they call it. Oh, is that a mom <laughs> book? Um, mm-hmm. So they're very aware and they're very eager um, to support, and our doors are always open to them when they do have the time. Sometimes yes. I know David will come and say, you know, these books were in our house and we're not reading them, so the kids told me that we should donate them for mom books. Um, so, yeah, this is a, I think this is just something that's a part of their day-to-day, too, with packages coming every day to I their bet. house, too. 
I bet. Yeah. So let me ask you, my busy friend, thank you for setting out an hour to spend this time with me. You have a family, correct? I do. So how do you manage juggling your full-time job, the nonprofit, and your family? A lot of coffee. Um, (laughs) But I like to-do lists. I know it sounds so strange, but I like little post-its of to-do lists. I understand um, that my, my family and my mental health, that comes first. No matter what, before my job, before Hindi's, um, at the same time, when something is worthwhile to you or to me, um, it's very hard for me to turn off. Sometimes I'll be up till three in the morning working, and my husband's like, "You need to go to bed. You have to be at work in four hours." Um, so it has mm. its moments where I balance really well, and then I completely fail. And I think that's okay. That's life. It's just one day at a time. I try to take a few minutes every day to like step out of whatever I'm doing and try to say, you know, did I spend enough time with the kids? Did I spend enough time with my husband? Did I take care of everything I had to for my work day? Is there anything on the Hindi's library plate that I need to take care of right this minute or can it wait? Just like checking in with everything is very important because sometimes I'll get, you know, it might be a work project that takes over my day. It might be a Hindi's project takes over my night might be something with the kids that I've, you know, gone way too deep into. Um, but it's just the, balance, the balance, trying, remembering to check in and remember you have to balance and you can't dive too deep even if you feel you have to because the other parts of my life will be affected. Well, I'll tell you, I listened. And balance is probably one of the key words in life in my personal opinion. I didn't hear, I didn't hear any self-care in there. So do you meditate? Do you, do you take a walk? Do you do yoga? Do you do anything that's a manicure once a week? Is there anything that you do for you? Yes, um, which also what do you a while do? to make that time. So <sighs> I love getting really fun nail polish on my hands, which takes like an hour and a half every three weeks, which is uh-huh. not enough for me time. So I jog. Um, now that the weather oh. is getting warmer, I try to jog um, four or five times a week, even if it's for 20 minutes, even if I end up just walking after a really long day. I turn mm-hmm. my phone off from phone calls and texts, and I just have my Broadway music or some Backstreet Boys. I know I'm aging myself, but um, <laughs> I have my music playing, and I just tune out. And even if I have a good idea while I'm walking, I won't even email it to myself because then I know I'll just get into work mode. I just walk and sing and smile and just try to decompress everything. Um, So that's that's how I have to because otherwise I will shut down. You know, it's really funny what you said. Um, um, I'm we we have the same personality, and Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's hard to to walk away from your phone. And if you're my age, you also say, "Where the heck did I leave my phone?" Um, When it's in my pocket. But um, I, I find that music for me is very calming and settling. I have learned that taking a deep breath and really appreciating that is important. I also, I, I'm older than you. And so you're saying, you know, you don't want to send yourself a message that's, oh, yeah, I need to remember to do this. And I struggle with that because it's like, oh, God, what was I, what was I going to remember? 
Um, so I, you know, I I don't have I don't have you know other than my little kitty cat that lives here with me. You know, I'm living here alone, so I don't have the I don't have the distraction of raising children. But um, not that it's a distraction, but it's just more people in your home. Um, but I think it's it's really I'm happy to hear that you do something for a bit of self care. Plus, I just got to say to everybody, I, you may or may not ever see these pictures of Leslie. I, I, you're going to see the picture of her if you see my website. But you are so cool because you're really into glasses, which is a, it's just sort of a, a little bit about your personality, which I really love. Uh, you have that theatrical side to yourself, which I think is really charming. And, and so there's some balance there as well. But... As we before we just sort of say goodbye, um, I, I would like to know in these last few moments together, what is your long-term plan? Do you have one at this point? Yes, um, we've been discussing it. I like to get what I've framed as HL for Hindi's libraries hubs all over the world. I want there to be a mini me and mini David in every country, just replicating what we're doing why can't there be two people in ireland um, collecting books and working with their community groups and sending over to their nonprofits? um it will of course require funding and training but there's no reason why you know obviously it's more difficult for us to ship internationally we've done it and it's been great but it's much easier for us to connect to recipients within the country so if we can do it, and we did it without even trying so hard at the beginning, there's no mm-hmm. reason we can't, you know, create these small hubs, really, of, of groups right. and, you know, leaders, team members who are doing it in their country, collecting books maybe in their language that are not English necessarily, mm-hmm. and sending it to communities in need in their area and just showing them how we've done it, here's the methods we've used, here's how we've succeeded, let's do it where you are. You so know, that's the big it's, it's interesting. I, I haven't, because of the pandemic, and I'm sure that's affected all of us, um, I had the opportunity several years ago to do a lot of international travel. And um, I have connections with people in Africa and different places around the world. And imagine if, if people were interested and willing, you know, you, you, you have a travel agency, but you also have a coffee house. And if, if they could find out from you how they could do something like this where they live, you have the template to make that happen, don't you? Exactly, yes. So, I, I, you know, it's really funny. My tagline besides, you know, I was born to talk, which is true, um, it's conversations plus connections equals communities. And those communities, frankly, can be anywhere. And I need to really delve into who do I know? You know, I know a lot of publicists, those, and, and I'm and I, I, very grateful for them. They send me a lot of their clients. And so, but, you know, they are a profit business. But who of the people that I've had joining me over all these years, who might be a perfect connection for you that could assist you? 
And that's kind of what you said earlier in the show about, you know, social media. Pardon me. It is a way to get the word out. And if you think about, you know, um, people that work in children's hospitals, that, that or, or I have a friend that delivers books, he dresses up like Spider-Man and goes to every state in this country taking books to children in hospitals that are very ill. I don't know where he gets those books. I'm going to have to reach out to him and ask him. But, you know, I just think what you're doing, Leslie, is phenomenal. And I'm sure when you put your head on the pillow at night, you're grateful. There's there's no doubt in my mind that you are a grateful woman, that you can give of yourself this way. It's phenomenal. Well, thank you. It's uh, it's uh, like I said, it's a roller coaster. We got our ups and downs, but sure. the exciting twists and turns make it um, worth it. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, if those of you are that are listening want to support Hindi's libraries. You certainly know how. You've gotten a lot of information. You can certainly visit the website. You can certainly donate money. You can donate books. And if you have any questions, send them an email and say, you know what, I listened to the podcast, but I have a few questions about XYZ. Now, be patient. You've just heard that Leslie has a full-time job at a school, and she is is a mommy, and she is a, a wife. So, um, but I would say that if you are definitely interested, and by all means, that um, 2020, 2022 Female of Fiction Awards, for those of you authors out there, um, by all means, check that out as well, because that might be another opportunity. So, thank you. Thank you for your generosity of spending this time with me. Uh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm delighted to have you join me. Maybe a year from now we'll reconnect and you'll tell me where you are then. But for this time, I just want to thank you once again, Leslie, for this generosity spending your time with me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm always, uh, I always really enjoy sharing the story behind the nonprofit and connecting with people who get it. Um, and it's a lot of fun, even though you know it's the same story. It's always told differently, and the conversation is always so unique and impactful. So I very much enjoyed my time, Marcia. Thank you. You're welcome, Leslie. Everyone, have a wonderful day. And if you're inspired, you know what you can do. And I'll be back with you next week. So enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Goodbye for now.